Get down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Get down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Get down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Who's down with D&D? Yeah, you know Get down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Get down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. I'm down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Who's down with D&D? Are you ready to get down with some D&D? I know I am. I'm joined as I'm always joined by the now back from being in the first level of hell, you know, that avernous place, the descent, Sean Merwin. What's up, Mad Wizard? Yeah, I I, I was in L.A., which is nothing like uh, avernous um, for the most part. Are you sure? Yeah, yeah. It was actually quite pleasant. I had never been there Uh had a great time, which we will talk about uh, later in the show, and came back to some turmoil and stress in, in re- real life, uh, but I am coming out the other side now and ready to, to get down with some D&D. Yeah, I was very, very sorry to hear about some of that stuff that happened with you. If oh, you well, want to know, if you want to yeah. know, I mean, you don't have to talk about it if you don't want to. If you do, you can. This is a safe space, so. Yeah, no, it's, it's you know, people come, people go, and... Uh, but he, we're here to talk about D&D. Yeah, let's do that then. All right. Announcements uh, before we get into it. Most of this episode will be us talking about uh, Descent into Avernus. That is what we're going to talk about. And D&D Live, because there. But announcements. Uh, Warriors of Waterdeep is an, a new game uh, for iOS developed by Ludia. It is, uh, it is, it's one of those app-based games. Like I picked it up and I played it a bit, bit so I could talk about it. Um, you are just kind of going through like rooms of a dungeon. If you ever played things like puzzles and dragons or whatever, but it's just D and D themed. It's not a match game. It's a it's a click game, and there's a little bit of positioning to it. Uh, and you collect stuff and upgrade your th- your your stuff. But uh, the mechanics of it are not really very D and D. But they have the D and D trappings. So you know, I mean, it's 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 neat. So is I'm, it is it like a D and D licensed product? Yeah, it's totally a D and D licensed product. Okay, that's ex- that's what it is. Yeah. I mean, they use armor class and hit points and stuff like that, but we're, you know, it's it's not, the mechanics of the game are, um, you are going through short little, like, three-room dungeons so far. I imagine they'll get a little bit longer later in the game, and you are um, killing monsters. Uh, there's a little bit of movement involved and some special abilities that you can use, uh, and as you finish off these little three-room little three room dungeons, you get experience points and gold, and then and some gear. And you can use that gear when you collect enough of a gear of a slot. Then you can upgrade that gear and get better stuff and uh, upgrade your abilities. And then eventually you can open up more characters and then add them to your party. Hmm. And that's and it tells a little story while you're doing that too. Cool. I imagine you can go back and play previous boards eventually too, like uh, buff up your party or whatnot. But it's it's one of those app games where like you know there's app purchases and and things like that. Mm-hmm. So you know it's 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 one of those things. Like if you like a time waster type game that you're looking for on your phone and you have an you have ios like you can grab it so that's warriors of Waterdeep. yep just came okay. out yep they uh they they were there were a few uh ads and other swag for it uh at descent so i hadn't seen it but thank you for uh describing it yeah i will uh i will tell you that it's pretty and the voice acting on that's pretty nice nice uh so if you want stuff that's pretty on your phone and whatnot that that is a time waster type game it, it works pretty well uh, number two, uh, misdirected market origins. Uh, when people hear this episode, it'll be like a week to origins. In fact, I'll already be there. Mm-hmm. So what are we doing at origins? So, um, Thursday night, we're having a dinner thing at the Eagle. It's a restaurant. Now the dinner part of it is sold out. We don't have any more tickets left, 
But if you want to come by, we'll be upstairs at the Eagle. You can come by, have a drink, and just hang out with us. Uh, so because we have the whole upstairs of the place nice. rented out. So where where is the Eagle? It's uh, I forget the name of that street. It's a the, the there's that longish there's that street with all the restaurants on it. That's right yep. down. Like if you walk down from the convention center, mm-hmm. um, it's on that street, but it's a ways down. Like it's like a half a mile down or like a three quarters of a mile down. Okay. So you can take the bus. Uh, the bus is pretty cheap too. It's two dollars. Okay. One way or the other. So that's not that bad of a of a of a of a thing. And if you don't mind walking, like I don't, yeah. I'll just be walking it. But there, I know some people have like you know, uh, mobility mm-hmm. issues. So there you go. Right. I think it's High Street. Uh, it is. It's on High Street. It, yeah, it runs parallel to the convention center. You know, Sean, why don't you just um, why don't you just rift on some stuff and maybe the next thing while I look up where the eagle is. Okay. Uh, oh, let's talk about the Artificer Survey. So they put out a new version of the Artificer uh, a, f- a few weeks ago, and they recently put up the survey where you can give them your opinion on the Artificer. And it is extra special important that you do this now for reasons that will become apparent later in the show. Really? Who so, knew? yeah. So if you uh, if you use the Artificer um, in your playtest or if you've looked it over and have your opinions, you can go to the D&D website and uh, fill in your information about your thoughts on the Artificer. All right, back to Mr. Director Market Origins. Uh, the Eagle is on seven is at seven ninety North High Street, Columbus, Ohio. There you go. So there you go. Um, other things that are going on at Origins from Mr. Director Mark. So D and D specific stuff. Uh, One o'clock on Saturday is Build an Adventure in an Hour. Uh, I will be there. I uh, a couple other hosts from Mr. Director Mark shows will be there, and maybe there's a seventy five percent chance that Sean Merwin, the Mad Wizard, will also be there. Yes, I hope to be there, and if I am, we will be talking about adventure design, as we have been for many weeks in a row here. On yeah, the show. Putting, putting our adventure design into practice by actually building a thing in an hour, at least the outline of a thing in an hour. Sure. I, th- I feel like we can outline an adventure in an hour. I think so, especially if it's a shorter adventure. Yeah, I mean, we'll just like five room dungeon it up or something like that. Yep. Maybe somebody will show up with some map making skills or something and can sketch out something really quick. Oh, that'd be awesome. Right, that'd be really sweet. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, what else? So, uh, not non D and D stuff. I think that's the only D and D thing we have going on mm-hmm. at, at Origins. Um, so, there's a hallway that's like a cross section between the convention center and the hotel area where all the role play, a lot of the role playing game stuff is. Misdirected mm-hmm. Mark tends to hang out there. We play a lot of pickup games over there and just hang out there. So, if you want to come and hang out with us or talk to us, we are uh, someone from Misdirected Mark is almost always there. Mm-hmm. Um, Things that are on the schedule uh, at 10 o'clock from 10 to 2 is the one shot and campaign tango with Phil and Senda. They will be doing like a basically a one on one GM answer your question type stuff from uh, 10 to 10 to noon. I highly encourage you to go and hang out with them. And especially um, if you are interested in games that are not necessarily D&D or moving from moving your group into games that aren't just D&D or using story game stuff in your D&D stuff. Uh, check that out. They're very good about those kind of things. And then from seven to nine that evening is the misdirected mark uh, extravaganza, which we it's for the fans of the network. Uh, not it's not it, we will do some probably gming advice, but we are really there to to talk about um, ourselves and talk to you and be ridiculous. We'll there'll probably be some sort of singing and dancing and whatnot because we do that every year, like karaoke type stuff. Uh, with um, and I don't mean karaoke as in like singing songs, but we sing parody songs that are nerd nerdified and. Um, and there'll be prizes, and uh, there'll probably be some sort of 
uh, game that is going on. These things are all being worked on currently. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're running a bunch of games, too. Like, I'm running some Dungeon World. Uh, I made a mistake in my scheduling, and I scheduled a Dungeon World game from midnight till four in the morning. <laughs> I thought I scheduled it from noon to four in the afternoon, but it was from midnight till four in the morning. So That's a, that's a thing. Yeah, there's two slots still open in that game. Three people signed up for it. Wow. Hey, but I, that's when you work, right? So Yeah, that's... so it's not really a big deal to me, right? Like, it'll, I'll, I'll be fine. Um, there, I'm also running some pulp games. The uh, Margaret Morrison's first letter, uh, which is uh, Shangri-La. Uh, there's a couple of those sessions out there. So you can look on the schedule for those. Um, there are other. Uh, there's, a, there's a couple of G.I. Joe games by our editor. They're not G.I. Joe, but they're essentially G.I. Joe at the Serial Files serial uh serial numbers filed off mm-hmm. uh, our editor jesse edmund doc palindrome is running his uh his gi joe inspired role-playing game so you can check that out that should be a, a really good time i kind of want to play it nice um uh phil is running a bunch of hydro hackers uh send is running a bunch of turning point these are all games that are coming from encoded designs mm-hmm. and uh there's some love and justice on the schedule that's another encoded designs product so you can get all sorts of good uh, misdirected mark stuff Playing over playing Planet Origins if you want to. There you go. There you go. All right. Well, that's all of our announcements. I suppose we should get to our main topic, right? Yeah. So we're going to talk about D and D Live and all of the announcements that went on there. Um, you know, we're going to take a break from our adventure design series because, in terms of news about what's happening in D and D, it doesn't get any bigger than what went down there. Yeah, and we're a little late to the to the come back and talk about this, but that's okay. I figured, like, you know, we'll just give our, our fresh take on it, right? Sure, absolutely. So uh, I got there a little late. I got there later on Friday, so I missed the the major announcements. But I think it's important to talk about each of them. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the last announcement for some people is actually the most important one. Uh, at the closing ceremonies, uh, they let slip... That in 2019, so before the end of the year, there would be a new Eberron hardcover book. That's pretty cool. And, you know, for a lot of people who are waiting on a new setting, um, you know, adventures are great and the new storyline is great. But they want their Eberron or their Planescape or their Dark Sun or whatever. So for all the people that were waiting for an official hardcover Eberron book, you wait no longer. It will be coming before the end of 2019, according to uh, Nathan Stewart. It's pretty cool. like it. Yeah. And uh, they didn't say what was going to be in the book. They did not say much. I saw on Twitter uh, that uh, the Eberron designer uh, helped me out. Keith Baker. There you go. Uh, Keith Baker, you know, said that he was involved. So that will, you know, make certain people happy, uh, people who are fans of his work. And we we will see if there's anything else out there to support it. Uh, you you have to assume that they won't just put out the book, that, uh, you know, other things will be coming, but they didn't give any specifics. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, that I, you, that's about as much as I know, too. So right, I, right. I'm yeah, looking that's forward as, to it. That's as much as pretty much anyone knows at this point. Uh, but there you go. The uh, The next bit of news, other than what the new season will be, was that there is going to be a new starter set 
called Essential Kit, the D&D Essentials Kit. And uh, it is going to be kind of a, like the previous starter set was, a box set that has a basic version of the rules, a basic version of the character uh, races and classes to get people to um, to introduce them essentially to to D and D. I think this is a theme that we're going to see a lot of in the future, uh, in at least in the near future. With there are lots of people out there who know about D and D now, who have seen it played, and they want to play it, but there's not a good on ramp for them. So this will be another way for them to to on ramp into the game. Yeah, there's um there's been a a slew of uh, I don't want to say a slew, but now this is like the th- with the the thing they're going to talk about next. This is the third that I heard of new starter set. And I actually think this one's good because it is uh, a D and D starter set, right? Like it is not yeah. themed in any way other than Dungeons and Dragons, right? So you know what Chris is referring to, I believe, is the uh, Stranger Things box set, correct? Um, so we've had the original starter set um, with the Lost Minds of Fandelver uh-huh. as as that adventure. Then we have the um, this the Stranger Things themed set, which I have. I have not opened it yet, but I will at some point and talk about it on the show. And now we have this new um, Essentials kit. Uh, it will have a newly designed rule book to teach them how to make characters and adventure included called the dragon of ice spire peak and new one-on-one rules variants i think that's neat and that goes back to this onboarding um theme where you know a lot of people want to play but finding you know a dm plus four to six players can be a a nightmare it also just turns it into a thing that you can play with like you know your significant other Exactly. You, you know, you, one friend, a kid, uh, a partner, whoever, and you're, you're right into the game. So mm-hmm. I think that is a huge step in terms of how the game is viewed. Um, instead of this whole group plus the DM, you can now just have the one-on-one and have it be in some way balanced. Which um, is a thing that is not always a uh, not always there for D and D, right? It'll be nice to have that kind of uh, modification right. to the rules. Yep. And the other very interesting thing that was announced is that for a long time, for almost two months, the only place you will be able to get this D and D essentials kit is at Target. Mm-hmm. That's cool, I think. So, that's that's so, a good sign, I think. Yeah, so at the end of June, um, it will become available at Target, and then you can buy it anywhere starting in September. So that's, that's you know, July and August, it, it will only be available at Target. And, you know, what that says to me is there is now a mainstream uh, avenue into role playing games. Well, yes, there that is that is true. Um the the next thing that we're going to talk about is the other thing that I was talking about for like starter set type stuff. So the Stranger Things box set is a starter set. From what I gathered, the Rick and Morty thing is supposed to be an I can't see it not being something that's supposed to be for for on-ramping people. That's that this thing. There's going to be a Rick and Morty D&D thing. Um I can't see this it 
this not being also a on-ramp for people to play the game. So it's a popular IP. Um, right. Making it for D&D hardcore players would be a missed opportunity, in my opinion. I would not make it, I would make it so that people can just get into the game with it, right? Yeah, and, and that, that's an interesting concept. So, you know, Chris is talking about something else that was announced uh, at Descent, and it's formally titled Dungeons & Dragons versus Rick & Morty Tabletop Role-Playing Game Adventure. So it is a D&D adventure. It's a traditional D&D adventure, um, but it is set in these, this whole Rick and Morty um, universe, if you will. Yeah, it comes with pre-gen characters of, the, um, of Rick's family. Yep. Uh, so you, get, you can play Morty and, uh, man, it's been a while since I've watched Rick and Morty. <laughs> I'm looking forward to the new stuff because there's going to be like, they, they got contracted for like 70 more episodes. But um, um, yeah, uh, Morty and uh, Summer and uh, their parents, whose names are just slipping my mind at the moment, uh, there's character sheets for all of them. Uh, it is based on the, the short run comic book that was uh, Rick and Morty vs. Dungeons & Dragons, which is hilarious. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have to say, so uh, it's it's a and it's written from. This is why I'm going to pick it up. It's written from their from like Rick. It's like annotated by Rick Sanchez, like heavily annotated by Rick Sanchez, or written from their point of view. A lot of right. the whole book is written from their point of view, which is hilarious. Yeah, so it's it's interesting how all of these things are coming out all at once, and it's interesting to see how business or, or marketing wise they're positioning these things so you've got this essentials kit for you are a brand new person to D. so here's here's where you come in you know this rick and morty thing you know i i'm trying to grok who it's for right is it for as you said you know, the hardcore dnd players who are also rick and morty fans if you're a rick and morty fan but you don't know much about D. I mean, if you're a Rick and Morty fan, you probably know about D&D in one way, shape, or form. Yeah, that doesn't mean um, you know how to play it, though. It, precisely. So it, it'll be interesting to see how this, if this provides any sort of on-ramp, um, or if it's if it's going to be strictly for um, you know, D&D fans, or if you're a Rick and Morty fan, you can still enjoy it without even knowing you know, how to play D&D. So it's, it's kind of a weird thing. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how it goes. But you can see now all these partnerships that Wizards is creating um, with Stranger Things, with uh, Acquisitions Incorporated, with Rick and Morty, uh, you know, in, in music even, uh, how they're you know looking at D&D-themed uh, bands or music from established bands that are D&D themed. So it's uh we're seeing the widening of of the influence of D&D. Yeah, it's smart. Once you've built that base audience of of enough people to make your product very viable, then you know, this is this is how you expand it, right? Yep. Yes. And the, so the last thing that was announced was for the Dungeon Mayhem card game, which is a fun little quick card game. Um they have an expansion pack it will have two new decks, uh, one for Minsk and Boo, yeah, and the, and the other for the Druid Jahira from the uh, from the uh, video game Baldur's Gate, which so is also it, neat. Yeah, so it's a Baldur's Gate uh, themed expansion for Dungeon Mayhem. Now, real quick, 
Minsk. Well, Minsk has trans uh, transition trans uh, transcended the video game. He was originally from the Baldur's Gate video game too. Right. Like that's his first appearance in D anD D, as far as I know. And it's funny because while I was at Descent, I did not get a chance to watch any of the live streams. Um, but I heard that was it Jim Zub played Minsk. Oh, and, oh man! And Matt Mercer played Boo. Oh, that must have been awesome. So he was just kind of squeaking, or that's, so I've so I've heard. So that that's a for those who don't realize, like it's kind of a big deal for Jim Zub to do that because um, Jim Zub's a, a comic book. A writer and he's written all a lot of the D and D comic books that feature Minsk. So he's written a bunch of Minsk. He's probably written more Minsk than anybody else ever mm-hmm. at this point. Right. But he he actually shaved his head to play this <laughs> because we were walking from our hotel to the studio, which was about a mile away, and someone yelled and waved to us, and I hadn't I hadn't been there yet, so I didn't know. And uh, James Intracasso said, I think that's Jim Zub. And I was like, well, do you know who he is? He goes, yeah, I, I've talked to him yesterday, but he had hair. And the guy who's waving to us looks like him, but he's bald. Did he paint his head with the, the mixed yes. tattoo? Oh, yes. Oh, that's amazing. So, yeah, so it was really uh, it was really quite an experience. So, you know, just to talk briefly, you know, those were the major announcements, uh, minus the adventure, which we'll get to in a minute. But the experience was quite, it was, it was quite bizarre um, yeah? to go Tell to this. Yeah, tell me about it. Well, because I, I, I wasn't there the first day, so I got in late, um, but I went uh, Saturday morning to get ready to run the D&D Epic twice. So, you know, you, you get there and it's a, it's a Hollywood studio. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So there's big, open, almost warehousey kind of places, um, and it was across the street. There, there were different studios. So you you go into the the place across the street, and it's almost like you're stepping onto a Hollywood set behind the scenes. So there's craft services table set up with food. There's makeup, a row of makeup chairs and mirrors where people are getting made up. And you know, people standing around in costume, talking, getting ready to go on. So, in that area were the staff, you know, the people that were working it, plus the talent, which were a metric ton of streamers, of a variety of ilk, as well as actors in full costume who were working the rest of the show. So it was the strange amalgam of people. And then when you go across the street to the main studio, they, they had it set up in three different areas. Um, there was an outside area with picnic tables and food trucks where you could mingle with the people walking around. You go into one studio, and that was where the main announcements were made, plus where um, the D&D Epic ran. So it was a large room that fit about 25 of those round tables that fit, you know, eight people. Mm-hmm. a stage, and then uh, an area with sound systems and lights and so on. And then if you went into the other studio, that's where all the vendors were set up, and it was made up to look like Avernus. So there were devils and demons and Medusa and 
knights and other strange creatures, actors walking around among the the vendors. Um. Okay, that sounds on, amazing. <laughs> and then on yeah, and then on the other side of the vendors, there was an area of four um, sound studios where the streamers were streaming from. Mm-hmm. That's where a lot of the. Uh, yeah. A lot of the um, a lot of the Twitch stuff came up there. There's like four different yep. channels that were running all weekend. Yep, so four different feeds. So you could, and there were there was a glass, so you could peek in and watch them. Although you couldn't hear them, uh, you could watch them streaming. But it wasn't like an audience. It was just you peek your head in a window. Mm. So the main streams happened uh, that you could watch in in that area that ran the epic uh, twice on Saturday and once on Sunday. And, but people were just kind of all mingling. So, you know, you're walking past and you're like, you know, I think that was Joe Manganiello. Of course, mm-hmm. it's it's hard to, to say I think that was because he's huge and tall and, you know, charisma forever. Um, or look over, oh, that, I think that's Matt Lillard, you know. And so I, and, but they, they all sort of moved around and there was a signing area, but people you could just walk in and sit down and start talking with just about anybody and while we were seating people for the epic you know i would i somebody would come over and say i was sent over to to go to a table could you put me at a table and we're like okay sure so i went and would would sit someone at the table and then i would come back and people would say do you know who that was and i'm like no i have no idea who that was mm-hmm. that was chris funk from the decemberists i'm like okay mm-hmm. i that that's cool and you know or matt lillard would walk over and say i was told that uh, you could get me a seat and i'm like okay yeah, here here's a seat over there have, have fun you need dice you need a character here you go and so it was just you know so the talent quote unquote the talent were were just coming in and sitting down and playing games D&D. with yeah. with just the people that bought tickets to be there so it was uh it was just a kind of surreal experience where you know, one second you're in awe that you're seeing this celebrity, you know, Deborah Ann Wall just walking in and sitting down to, to play. And and just we're just here. We're all just here for D&D. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so it, it was it was interesting. It was well, fun. I had a lot of fun. It's it's L.A., right? Like that's it's, their that's a lot of their people. Those people's home hometowns. Right. So it, it makes sense that they're just hanging out. Right. Like, yep. I mean, they're also there to 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 perform but mm-hmm. you know it's also D, right like i think that's that was the point yeah i mean it it was a big exactly what you would hope it would be a big celebration of D. yeah festival like mm-hmm. uh it sounds amazing like i it sounds like something i wish i could be at it's exactly the kind of thing that i would love to be a part of yeah i mean and you know hopefully as as time goes on it will become more and more and more accessible to people um obviously if you're from the la area it's great or if you have the money to fly in and spend a weekend and 300 dollars for a ticket to to do this um they gave out great swag as they normally do almost probably worth the 300 hundred dollar ticket nice um, and they what the what i heard the most was for people that were there last year and this year was it was much better this year because we actually got to play D&D. 
Um, so I think having the D&D epic there, giving people that experience, especially those people who have never, you know, who are D&D fans and who play but have never played in an epic before, um, that experience of, of that communal storytelling on such a grand scale um, really wowed them. I heard like, ooh, I thought Adventures League was stupid, but if this is Adventures League, I want to keep doing this, you know, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. So uh, I think that was good, and hopefully they can c- continue that um, trend of making it not just a viewing or buying experience, but also a gaming experience. Yeah, a, very much a festival of yep. D&D. I think that's a a great approach for what they're trying to do over there. Like entertainment Mm -hmm. and, and play, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But of course the big announcement was the next storyline. Yes. Baldur's gate descent into Avernus. Is that the, that's the title, right? That is the official title of the book. Yes. All right. So, um, high level stuff, I guess I'm just going to run, run through some things. So, uh, it's a 256 page adventure. It ranges from levels 1 through 13, so you will take your characters from levels 1 through 13. Uh, it releases September 17th. All right, so that's all the... Uh, that's all. That's all we're talking about. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> it deals with the Blood War as part of the backdrop, or a large part of the backdrop of the adventure. And you can supposedly get involved with it in in, in the Blood War if you want to. Um uh, all of the interviews that I've read, there's been very little talked about Baldur's Gate and a lot talked about Avernus. Now, that leads me to believe that you don't spend nearly as much time in Baldur's Gate as you do in Avernus. Although, uh, from what they said, there's a bit of a gazetteer about Baldur's Gate in, in the book. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's interesting to me because, Sean, we played a, a whole like mini encounters campaign in, in Baldur's Gate using the 5th edition rules. That's uh, right. I, yeah, I love Baldur's Gate. I think it's a great city. Mm-hmm. Um, the adventure itself, uh, or at least the Baldur's Gate part, has been described as the Gotham City of the Sword Coast. Now, that actually throws me for a loop, because when I've thought of Baldur's Gate in the past, I never really thought of it as Gotham City, because I'm a, I'm a pretty big DC fan and, yeah. and, and Batman fan, and Gotham is a terrible place, and yeah. Baldur's Gate has never felt like that terrible of a place. Yeah, as, as soon as they said that, a lot of people were like, no, Luskin is the Gotham City of, of you know, Forgotten Realms. Um, which makes sense because it's kind of a lawless, pirate-infested place. Um, but I think Baldur's Gate has that, can have that feel if it, in some of the portrayals over the years, it's been sort of a, you know, there there is a section uptown that's nice, but for the most part it is, it is sort of lawless, um, where the the people in power are the lawless ones, not necessarily the the well, you know the, the the citizens. If they lean on on the um, if they lean on the crime being more prevalent and powerful than than the lawmakers, or the lawmakers are part of that crime, then it becomes more like what they're describing, right? Right. So that's that's interesting to me. Um, the other thing about like Gotham City, which this can work because vigilantes in Gotham City are a thing. Adventurers are essentially vigilantes, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, that's a that's there's there's some. I'm interested to see where they take Baldur's Gate into transforming it into more of a Gotham like feel to mm-hmm. give it that that darkness, that crime ridden um, feel that it's not necessarily safe to walk on the streets feel. 
So I never felt like that with previous iterations of, of Baldur's Gate. Yeah. Which which I think it's cool. Like, I have no problem with them doing that. I don't need... I mean, I think Luskin's kind of too far out of the way to really be... To be a Gotham City, if that makes mm-hmm. any sense. It's way up north, right? Luskin. Oh, yeah. I mean, L- Luskin's yeah. way up north, yes. Yeah. So, I mean, to to play the... the the water deep is the metropolitan sort of jewel of the sword coast and to play Baldur's gate is the more crime ridden needs to be cleaned up. Problematic city is mm-hmm. as, as the, the two largest cities on the sword coast is very interesting to me. Right. Uh, I, I would be very interested in seeing that change sure. now. Um, moving, moving on beyond Baldur's gate. Cause I don't think there's going to be much to talk about that. Uh, the, the part of Avernus has been described as part homage to Mad Max like Fury Road, and that's in some ways because um, there's going to be these infernal war machines that you can drive around, which are going to be modified uh, rules using the the vehicle rules from the Ghosts of Saltmarsh, like the the sea rules. Yep. They're going to modify those and tweak them for these infernal war machines. Yep. That's that's pretty cool. So so the the D and D epic that we ran was pretty much that. Okay. It really? was, yes, you are dragged into Avernus and you are forced to help someone, I'm not, I don't want to spoil it too much, help someone complete a task. And part of that task involves you um, creating your own war machine. And they had actual models of these war machines on the table. That's neat. That you could take apart and put together with different pieces, depending on what uh, you want if you want it to have more offense or more defense or more speed or more mobility do you think that um, these will be available later for purchase the the ones that were created um were not from WizKids, but WizKids are creating them that's cool so they will so, be probably available for purchase at some point in the future e, that is what i understand yes nice nice that's that's neat i mm-hmm. i I am actually really much all in on this this storyline. I'm going to buy it. I'm going to I'm going to run it. Like I'm mm-hmm. I'm very excited about it. It's it's the most it's one of the coolest D and D things to me since Out of the Abyss. So, yep. uh, I mean, there's been some decent storylines since then, but like this one has really got me got me going. Right, like it's it's got that same kind of like weird flavor that I like in uh, in my D and D games. So there's the there's that there's the Infernal War Machines. Um, there is uh, going to be rules in the book for making deals with devils, according to uh, some of the interviews that I heard, something about mm-hmm. debts and things like that. Um, and there's going to be um, uh, Jeremy Crawford. There was a quote from him saying that he's going to give they're going to give DMs a number of suggestions on how to make adventuring hell appropriately horrible. And so there's going to be rules for how the environment might mutate your character and how it's hard to get a good night's sleep if you try to sleep at all in hell. Uh, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And of course, At, these are things that you can use even if you're not running this adventure. Sure, and and you know that that brings up an important question about each edition or each plane in each edition sort of has its own feel. And in some editions, adventuring on the planes, you didn't even want to attempt it unless you were pretty much an epic level character. Mm-hmm. Um, it sounds like with this adventure, th- that's going to be lessened a little bit. Because if it's levels one through thirteen, and you assume you're going to be in in Avernus um, for at least half of the time, right? You then it's you know you're going to have to go there as a lower level character. Uh, so 
having these things sort of sets the tone for what it will be. Um, and as people are want to do in creating their own content, whether just for their home game or to sell on the DMs Guild, um, you want to keep that in mind. Um, you know, how do you want to set first level adventures there? What what are what are the drawbacks of that? How can you do it? Keep it realistic, realistic in the fantasy sense um, that they're just everyone's not all wiped out immediately. You know, so it'll be interesting to see how those sorts of things are handled in the adventure. Yeah, I'm I'm very curious. Uh, I mean, I can see that stuff working because D and D characters are pretty competent in that that fifth to sixth to seventh level range. So. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, the other thing that was mentioned about the book is that um, some of the, some of the characters that are going to show up, uh, Zariel, of course. If you don't know who Zariel is, Zariel is the Archdevil, the the Archduchess of um, of the Plain of Avernus, and uh, she's got a fascinating history, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, Kostichi, the Demon Lord of Frost Giants, which is not very much about, mm-hmm. so it'll be fun to see that fleshed out, and then. Arkin the Cruel, which is a dragonborn paladin and first introduced into, uh, I guess, the, the D&D sphere by Joe Manganiello on Critical Role. So this is a character from Critical Role that's going to show up in, in Avernus. So yep. it's, it's interesting how that stuff kind of like is now drifting into our, our core books because, you know, why not, right? If it draws people in, okay. Yeah. And, I mean, it, it's, it's appropriate. Like, the character fits in that space. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can you can go check out Critical Role or just look up Arkan and the Cruel on uh, on a, on a wiki. It's on a wiki already, so you know you can you can find it there. Yep. All right. Um. So that is like sort of the a lot of the information that came out about the book Descent into Avernus. Um. I want to talk a little bit about if if you think we have some time, Sean, which we do. It seems like we have a little bit of time to talk oh, about sure. Baldur's Gate and Avernus itself. Mm-hmm. More about Avernus, less about Baldur's Gate. Mm-hmm. So um. At times, Baldur's Gate has been thought to be the most important city on the Sword Coast. A lot of people argue that Waterdeep is more important, but uh, Baldur's Gate is very key to shipping and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's run by the Council of Four and the Parliament of Peers. Uh, there is a very prominent mercenary company there called the Flaming Fist. And um, like we, we already mentioned the Gotham City thing. Like that, That's a departure. I'm very curious as to see how, it, how it's going to work, because in the past, to me, it's always been like kind of a hub a cosmopolitan city where it's just anybody and everybody kind of shows up there. Yeah. And one of the things about it in terms of its development over the years is that it's one of the places that didn't draw most of its lore from um, the tabletop game. It drew most of its lore from the video games. Correct. Yes. Um, so that makes it one of the most well-known places, you know, in the, in the lore because some people who have never rolled a die on uh, a table know everything there is to know about Baldur's Gate. Mm-hmm. And that stupid encounter at the end where you would walk out and get fireballed and you have to like quick save and play it like 17 times in order to get past it. <laughs> oh, do you That's, know what I'm talking about? I know what you're talking about, yes. yeah. That yeah. stupid encounter. Yeah. Uh, that that's what happens when you try to video game up a a role playing game that's not necessarily balanced against itself. Yes, agreed. <laughs> All right. So I I mean I don't want to spend too much time on Baldur's Gate. I'm pretty sure it, it, until I find out more about the book, I'm pretty sure there's not going to be as much about 
uh, BG in there as there's about Avernus. And Avernus is by far the more interesting place to me. So let's talk about Avernus. Um, so most of the information that I got about Avernus is uh, from the Fiendish Codex 2, The Tyrants of the Nine Hells by Robin Laws and Rob Schwab. It's a very definitive source for learning about the lore of D&D devils and Bator. Like, it's a really good book. Mm-hmm. Um, also, you can look at the Guide to Hell by Chris Pramus from earlier. Uh, so just before we even get into the lore of D&D, Avernus, for those who don't know, is an ancient name for a volcanic crater located near Cume, uh, Italy, which the Romans believed was the entrance to the underworld. Did you know that? Did you know that, John? I I knew that it was named after a place in Italy. I wasn't sure that it was Kumai, but it's, yes. I love finding the actual like where the where the lore actually comes from, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the the whole nine hells is you know Dante's Inferno, so right. Uh, at least loosely based on Dante's Inferno, all, all the names of the levels are the same, and some of the descriptions are the same too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, the history of leadership of Avernus. So. For those who, I guess I should not talk about the history of leadership first. We should talk about what Avernus is. It's the first level of hell. Um, it is where the blood war rages. So the devils and the demons fight on this this plane of existence constantly. Um, and to that end, there has been a series of different leaders there, and it's rotated around. And I, I think it's kind of fascinating because it also runs into some of the previous D&D storylines. Sure. So the first, at least, uh, leader of Avernus was Tiamat. Mm-hmm. And Tiamat was really bad at running Avernus and was demoted by Asmade, but was allowed to guard the portal to Dis uh, until Tiamat was promoted to demigoddess status. Uh, and then all that stuff happened with, uh, you know, Horde of the Dragon Queen and uh, the rise of Tiamat. Yep. Um, Asmode actually offered Tiamat the job again once that happened. And Tiamat said, eh, no, I don't really want to because I don't really want to make Bell mad and Bell's doing a fine job. And yep. we'll talk about Bell in a second. Bell's a pit the, fiend. The very first time I adventured in Avernus was back AD&D days, and that was when Tiamat was ruling it. Oh, there so you go. So we had many a, a battle with Tiamat in, on the first plate of hell. <laughs> Tiamat's been around for a while. Oh, yeah. Um, so then the next ruler was Zeriel. So Zeriel, who is going to be very prominent in this book, I would imagine. I'm pretty sure Zeriel's on the cover. I'm pretty sure that's who that is. It might not, mm-hmm. might not be, but it looks like it is. Right. Um, Zeriel was originally an impetuous angel of Celestia. And what Zeriel wanted to do constantly had this plan of like, I want to bring the Holy Host and go wipe out all the demons and the devils because they're all just sitting there on Avernus. We could just go and flank them and destroy them all. But uh, Zeriel's superiors were like, no, it's a terrible idea. We don't want you to do that. We're not going to do that. That's not really the angelic way. Um, so Zeriel, this warlike and, 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 and combat oriented angel decided to gather up a host of mortals and go and attack Avernus without, uh, without permission and got stomped mm-hmm. essentially. And after getting stomped, Asmode was like, well, that was impressive. And I like the cut of your jib and you should totally be in charge of Avernus. So you're now in charge of Avernus since you know, you seem to have this whole warlike thing with the blood war thing going on. Go lead my armies and beat on some some demons. I mean, that that won't feel too bad to you, right? And and Zero was like, sure, why not? It's not like I can go back to Celestia. I completely fell. Um, so then that goes on for a while, and then eventually a rebellion occurs, which is called the Reckoning of Hell, and all of the the arch archduke dukes and duchesses of hell 
um, start fighting. In fact, it turns into two factions that fight each other to try to dis- depose Asmade. And um, it goes on, and eventually Asmade uh, <laughs> kind of manipulates everybody to destroy each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then still is in charge, and then basically puts everybody back in charge of mm-hmm. what they were in charge before and punishes them, except... Uh, so, except Zeriel now has to have this pit fiend named Bell as her right hand and in charge of her armies. So all the armies of Avernus. Um, shortly thereafter, Bell overthrows Zeriel, imprisons her under the bronze citadel, a prominent structure on um, Avernus, and siphons off her energy to power his own abilities. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also some creepiness going on there where uh, they, these creatures are uh, constantly cutting off pieces of Zeriel and eating them to torture her while she regrows them. Like you do. Like you do in hell, because it's hell, right? Yeah. So um, not too long after that, it's come to, it comes to light that Bell, this Piffin, is not very good at defending Avernus, like not, not nearly the general that Zeriel is. And uh, there's a demonic incursion that causes a lot of problems. And Asmodeus is like, well, I don't got, I got, I got, I don't got very many choices. Hey, Zeriel, why don't you go back and be in charge of my uh, my armies on on that plane of existence? But uh, why don't you keep Bell as your advisor? Because Bell was pretty good at keeping you in check so that you didn't rebel. Mm-hmm. So if you can't tell just based on that, that's what hell is. Hell is this really interesting political game of putting people in power and then balancing them against each other. And Asmo- Asmodeus or Asmade is better at it than anybody else. Mm-hmm. Um. So that's where we currently stand, I would imagine, when this adventure starts. Yeah, you and, would think. Yeah, and um, under under her rule, Avernus, like it used to have a lot of metropolitan cities, but with this ongoing war and the way that that Zeriel runs things, like it's turned into this giant wasteland. Mm-hmm. So like, there's just a t- ton of destruction. There's only ruins around, really, and uh, there's only these defensive citadels that still exist. And yeah, and that, so you can see where the Mad Max. Um, vibe would creep in with that wasteland, you know, no resources, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So how you how you get the Mad Max thing with the Blood War? So Mike Merles, he uh, he had this to say about that. The Blood War, it comes and it goes like seasons. Sometimes the season's hot with battles everywhere, and other times it's cold where battle is limited to skirmishes, and that's when the infernal war machines come in. So when the the Blood War season recedes, then you have all the ruins and wreckage of the battles scattered across hell, and um, there's all these hellfire engines everywhere. So there's scavengers out. There's this post-apocalyptic wasteland. They're like ripping parts um, from the the machines. They're building, uh, you know, these hot rods that are diabolical, and they're using those things to get around and fight each other. Uh, and then when the fighting increases and we go back to a war season, then they use them to escape. So that's really interesting to me that the the idea that the blood war is kind of like this um this this force of nature rather than two armies fighting. Right, because the river Styx runs through Avernus. Mm-hmm. And so whereas the other planes of hell are practically impossible to get to, um the Styx runs through several planes. That's true. So it makes it very permeable and Styx runs through the abyss as well. So Demons can go use the sticks to get straight from the abyss to Avernus. And so that's why the blood war, the front is Avernus, right? That's Mm -hmm. where 
um, most of the battle is taking place. So it is, you know, you think D-Day, but constantly, right? Yes. There's just this constant onslaught from one side and defense from the other. Yeah, and they're not using machine guns and 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 tanks and things like that. They're using, you know, um, rocks and, mm-hmm. you know, pit fiends and, uh, yep. you know, balors and all that good stuff, right? Mm, yes. So, uh, and balors and pit fiends are the same thing, aren't they? Uh, the the different names, yes. What, what's the what's the pit fiend equivalent of the demon? I always forget. Is there one? I no, it, there I is. think that uh, that's balor, right? The Balors are demons, pit fiends are devils. Oh, okay. I, I, I couldn't remember. I thought I thought maybe pit fiend and Balor were the same exact thing. No, no. I'm I'm getting old. They're they're kind of the demonic, devilish versions of each other. Okay, that's good to know. Yep. Um, so and, and if anybody's wondering, the reason that the fight is always occurring on Avernus is because once a devil is in hell, like it's really hard for a devil to get out of hell. You ha- you have to be summoned. Um, it's a lot easier f- usually for demons to to sneak out of the abyss. Mm-hmm. According to lore, mm-hmm. that seems sounds about right, right? Yeah. Um, certain certain demons have a harder time getting out of the abyss, but the, it's a little easier for demons to get out of the abyss than it is for devils to get out of hell. Like they're, I mean, they can maybe not to the prime material plane, but uh, but devils are stuck according to their laws and the deals that they've made in in the nine hells. Mm-hmm. One of uh, the other cool things that will be in this adventure is is the concept of a soul coin. Ooh, what's that? Tell me. So so a soul coin is the currency of Avernus. And it is a coin that contains the soul of a damned person. So that means you can throw it in your infernal war machine and use it to power it to drive it around. Yes, you can. Because those or, things are powered by souls. Yes, yes. Or you can use it in these strange wandering markets that appear across Avernus. Yeah, on the uh, back of infernal war machines at times? So, so I've heard some of them. That's what I heard. That's I, I heard that rumor. Like I, I didn't hear it as a rumor. I read it somewhere. I heard somebody actually talk about it on a stream. So yep, that's a thing that happens. Yeah. Uh, uh, so I mean, I, I could speculate about the adventure, but I think it's even if I speculated, Sean wouldn't be able to say anything. Cause I think Sean knows a lot more about this than I do. Well, yeah, I I with James and Tricasso and Will Doyle wrote the epic that. Uh, is involved with this and we also wrote the D&D open this year which um, is running this weekend so it will already have run for the first time at Games Expo UK and um, I also worked on the book itself so I really can't talk more about ah so like you you actually know what the book what is actually inside of the book at least parts of it yes (laughs) Um, which is why if anybody's wondering why Sean's been so cagey uh, I so I hope I did my research okay. You, you think? Yeah. My mostly on point here. No, I think you're totally on point, and I think everything that we've talked about um, gets to the one point that this is a really cool place to play a D and D adventure. Yeah, um, um, a horrible place, but not your typical you know wandering through the forest, going through the town. Um, you know, this is going to be a a challenge for the players and their characters to navigate not just the um, the atmosphere, you know, the physical locations of Avernus, but also the political intrigues that come with dealing with devils. 
which is always, and I love, I love stuff like that. It's one of the things I'm so mostly excited about. Mm -hmm. Um, one more thing that I wanted to mention that I think is really neat. Uh, and it kind of makes me angry a little bit because I never buy dice. So I'm not like really a person that buys it because I have tons of dice. There's a dice kit for this game. Um, Descent into Avernus, the dice kit. Now, before I always, we always mention them because it's a D and D product, right? We like to mention the D and D products. But this has more stuff inside of the box than the dice. There's a whole map of the plane of Avernus and some other handouts that are that are in the box. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's really neat. Also, the box itself is like a, a, a lined dice tray. Mm-hmm. So that's the, that's neat. And you get a couple of d20s, a couple of d10s, uh, four d6s. Um, there's content cards for strange encounters and trinkets one finds in Avernus. So that's neat too. Mm-hmm. Um, sizing chart for Bloodborne Demons and Devils, a uh, hit point tracker, and uh, 20 double-sided cards with encounter tables and story content for the Devils and Demons of the Bloodborne featuring exclusive art from Max Dunbar. All that stuff is in this box. Right. I'm like, well, that's way better than just dice. Yeah, yeah. It definitely, uh, some added value to the, to the purchase for sure. Yeah, I really like the map too. I mean, you can go look it up. It's uh, it's on Game Nerds, or you can just search for... Uh, for Avernus dice set and it'll mm-hmm. pop up and you can see it. I think it's neat. Yep. Uh, that's all I have to say. Do you have anything else to say? No, I, uh, I cannot wait to actually see the book and talk more about gaming there. It, it'll be fun when it comes out to talk about the parts that you worked on. Yep. It will. Yeah. And then maybe we can talk about the open and the, uh, the Epic too. And what's inside of those things when, yeah, I don't as, know if we're more, as more people play them, yeah. you know, it'll be easier to talk about it. All right. Let's do some uh, Patreon shoutouts and get out of here. And thank you, everybody, so much for listening. So uh, Patreon shoutouts. Craig, the Lord of One Name, Eileen Barnes, the Duchess of Pandas Talking Games, Merrick Blackman, the Royal D&D Reviewer, GM Dramander, the Lord of the After Show, Michael Dinos, the Inquisitor of Mark, John Carney, the Court Necromancer. Did you happen to see John? I did. I sat and talked with John a little bit while nice. we were there. Because yeah. um, he, was, he was at D&D Live. Yes, uh, the Descent. Andy Olson, the Duke of Dice. Eric Bonds, the Duke of Gators and the Lord of Beefness. Brian Kurtz, the Royal Doctor of Physic. Jesse Edmond, our editor and the Royal Doctor. John C. LeMay, the guard at the end of the world. Donnie Harville, the Lord of the Slack Room. Andrew Dacey, the Warden of Whiskies. P.K. Sullivan, the Queen's Royal Rocketeer. And Schmitty, the Keeper of the Labyrinth. You know, speaking of those patrons, if you want to be a patron of Down with D&D, which I would love for you to be a patron of Down with D&D, you can click on the link to our Patreon page. It's on the website. And for uh, just $2 a month, you can get a shout-out. Uh, we also have a $4 a month option where you get a shout-out like you just heard. You also get to see our notes, our show notes, and you have access to uh, a channel in our Slack room where you can talk to Chris, me, or any of the other Misdirected Mark folk or the other patrons where we talk about a variety of gaming issues and topics. Yeah, there's a lot of good RPG talk in our RPG discussion section mm-hmm. these days. Yeah. Um, if you can't help us monetarily but you want to give us a boost, you really can help us out by just giving us a review anywhere. Uh, Apple Podcasts is the best place to do so, or iTunes, as it was formerly known. Mm-hmm. True story. Mm-hmm. Uh, what should we do next? Oh, yeah. Internet, Sean. Where can we yeah, find you? Yeah, I am on the internet, and you can find me on Twitter at Sean Merwin. That's the best place. How about you, Chris? Yeah, because there's no more D down with the D G plus community that doesn't exist anymore. I should probably delete G+ that. G plus is gone. It's gone. You know we have a forum. It, it's it's like up and testing right now. It'll be more prominent soon. Yep. 
the Rob Eberzado, the new chief of Misdirector Mark Productions, has done a very good job of uh, of putting that together. <clears throat> if anybody didn't know, I'm not in charge anymore. It's uh, it's <laughs> Rob and Senda. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you can hit me up at Misdirected Mark because I still have access to that Twitter. That's the thing. Or at the Light One Hundred and One. That's my actual like personal Twitter handle. I'll talk to you there too. Uh, Twitter's the Twitter's the place. Uh, you can also just go to the website and catch other great shows, such as Misdirected Mark. You know, that's the other podcast that I do in this network. So that's me and Phil and Bob. We're live, actually, on Twitch every Tuesday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern, uh, Chris MMP, twitch.tv. And we break down and get inside games, game mastering, playing games, and uh, game design in an effort to entertain and inform you. In fact, our last episode, we last couple episodes, we were talking about RPG artifacts, like, uh, you know, making things that you make in-game or, like, props and mementos, things like that. It was a lot of fun. Down with D&D is a misdirected Mark production, the media arm of Encoded Designs. Hey, Mr. Mad Wizard, what are we going to do now? We're going to go kill some Lemur. Is it Lemur in hell? It is now. Hell? That's because it's the other, it's Dretches in the Abyss. Ah, oh, I got it. Yeah, good job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. 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 Down with D and D. Yeah, you know me. Who's down with D and D?